Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Winter is blooming, baby, and with it, we rewatch Game of Thrones. This week marks episode three. Lord Snow, written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, directed by Brian Kirk. I am Colton Robertson. I'm joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. I am also joined today by the magnificent Tavares Pennington. What's up, homie? Hola, how's it going? Oh, it's a, it's, I mean, I'm living, I'm living. We just finished recording the Black Panther Wakanda Forever episode. We figured let's get a jump start on the Game of Thrones rewatch a little bit earlier than we planned. Uh, I'm having a great time today, and I'm excited to talk about this episode. Uh, I will say, along this rewatch so far, I feel I feel the weakest about this episode, the least uh, the least riveting mm-hmm. of, of the three we've gotten thus far in the rewatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of just felt like a, a progression episode. Just a lot of... Let's get to know some characters more. Give you some more characters to know as well, and then many, uh, many an introduction this week. Mm. Uh, lots of lots of first encounters. We see Littlefinger for the first time. We see Lord Varys for the first time. Renly Baratheon for the first time. Uh, uh, Lord Commander Mormont up at the Night's Watch. Uh, Sir Alistair Thorne. Just all, all sorts of characters who become very very important characters. Just, just, just meeting them for the first time this week, and uh, that was that was a real cool part of this episode. I did enjoy, uh, you know, expanding this universe even more than it already was. <laughs> fucking love the kitten, just getting up in the camera's face. That was so fucking cute. <laughs> oh, what the fuck yeah. going on here? Uh, <laughs> nah, man, I'm uh, I'm ready to talk about it though. Are we ready for something of a scene by scene breakdown? Oh yeah, let's do it. Of course. All right, so we begin this episode in King's Landing, as you folks know, these two, but uh, maybe the rest of you do not. I take this location by location in discussion of the episode, and we're going to start with all the stories that happen in King's Landing this week as a very central hub of this episode. Uh, The royal party reaches King's Landing, and uh, almost immediately, Lord Stark is asked to attend a meeting of the King's Small Council. And uh, they're like, all right, so uh, if you want to if you want to get changed into something more appropriate, that'd be great. And I love the way Ned's like, fuck you, dude. I wear what I want when I want. I'm a Northman. I don't wear I'm your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want me to get all fancy, fancy schmancy on you? Fuck you. I wear what I want when I want. Uh, I loved it. Loved it. Just a great introduction to Ned in this episode. And uh, before that. He encounters Jamie here in the throne room, 
very familiar imagery uh, for him as uh, in the book he describes a scenario where whenever they usurped the throne they killed the mad king ned walked in and saw jamie sitting on the throne for a couple seconds and he's like oh don't worry i'm just keeping it warm for our for our king robert baratheon this is what happens in the books uh this does uh, th- yes i think he might go on to explain it later but by this time in the books it's already been uh explained he's already had th- had that monologue on the uh the king's road with robert he describes this scenario to him uh where he walks into the throne room after jamie's killed the mad king and jamie's sitting on the throne and he just kind of sits there for a couple minutes and they eye each other for a little bit and then he's like don't worry i'm just keeping it warm for our friend robert um yeah. <laughs> so a little, a little bit of a flashback here for Nettie whenever he walks in and sees Jamie. Uh and you know, he's still not happy with with Ned about him judging him all dishonorable for killing the Mad King. Uh he's like, Oh, is that what he said when he when you shoved his sword in your back in his back and he's like, Oh, would would you would you respect me more if I'd stabbed him in his chest? He's like, what, what, what the, like, quit being all high and mighty on me, bro. You know, I did what I had to do. Okay. Fuck you. Yeah. I guess, honestly, a fair point. He, like, if I'm going to kill him, I'm going to kill him. You know, it's like, that, that's the thing that mattered is that I killed the man. Yeah. Not where I killed him. Yeah. Um, well, do we think Ned, Ned, if given his way, would have killed the Mad King? I think, uh, it's, he might. I think Ned would have. I think the problem Ned has with Jamie is that he was the king's guard. He broke a sacred oath in guarding the king to kill that king. And I think that, uh, you know, if an oath is broken, no matter how, uh, you know, reasonable that breaking of the oath might have been, like killing the mad king, um, it's, it's a broken oath, man. That's a, it's, it's something, somebody you can't trust ever again. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, that this is a particular scene where um, the parallels are coming through strongly about how Jamie is uh, uh, honorable only insofar as honor serves his wishes. Very yeah, much like him, him and his family. You know, he'd kill every single person if they were the last two people on Earth. Right. Cersei. Um, mm-hmm. Parallels another character that we come to meet in House of the Dragon. Hmm. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Damon Targaryen, I'm assuming, is who you're talking about there. Yeah. 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 Very yeah, very, very similar similar in essence there, Jamie and Jamie and Damon, even though I'd say Jamie reaches towards the light a little bit more at points throughout the series than Damon <laughs> seems to. But uh Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Maybe maybe he comes around a little bit. Uh but uh I, I, I don't think he does. No, I don't think I don't think so either. I think he's fucked. Uh, that dude's that dude's a, that's a crazy motherfucker right there, Damon Targaryen. Uh, I, mean, I did. Wanna... I did spoil Damon's death for myself, and he makes it to the end. About yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing is that like I, I, I that's the thing is that all these characters will die. They're not alive in Game of Thrones. Two hundred years before, they're gonna die. It's it's more how we get there that I'm fascinated by. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, I know how Rhaenyra dies. That's 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 fun. Um, oh. I don't know. I don't know how anyone dies yeah. at all. I know zero. Oh, you and, motherfucker! I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. 
I've, I don't know how I've managed to keep it that way, even on Twitter. I risk it on Twitter. I think every time I get, like, close to a spoiler, I just get really lucky, and I get off of it fast enough, and I don't yeah. actually see it. I get you. Dude, I got the finale of House of the Dragon spoiled for me hard. Like, Damn. Hard. Uh, Damn. I knew, I knew pretty much everything that was going to happen in that episode. Were you not, did you not watch it, like, when it came on? No, it leaked two days before, and people were talking oh. about it like it was out. Oh shit! Damn. Yeah, so I was I was just fucked. Like I was like I watched it at eight p.m. on Sunday night. You always watch it at eight p.m. on Sunday night. How did that's you, how you, how you get? This uh, was crazy. I don't know. They fucked they fucked me on that one. But any whoozle, uh, you know the Mad King. It's brought up again that they murdered Ned's father and brother, and uh, you know. Uh, the throne after mayhem was through. Jamie is, uh, you know, he's a bit, he's, he doesn't feel bad about having killed the, the Mad King. I think he's like, I did the right thing. I have no doubts about that. And we get a little bit more on that a little bit later, which I, which might be my favorite line of the episode, uh, a little bit later on from Jamie Lannister. But, uh, after this, Ned goes to meet with the council. This is where we meet Peter Baelish, Littlefinger, the King's master of coin. And Fred and friend of Ned's wife from childhood. Uh, we meet Grand. Well, I don't know if we met Grandmaster Pycel here. Had we seen Grandmaster Pycel yet? I don't. I think this is a, his introduction. I think it's his introduction as well. Yeah, Grandmaster Pycel for the first time here. This is uh, General Veers from the Star Wars original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an Imperial in the in the original trilogy. Just some some random motherfucker who gets choked through a monitor by Darth Vader. Remember that guy? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Now I yeah. do. I guess. Wow. I d- would have never guessed that. No. Yeah. That's what's crazy. It's like he's old as fuck here. But then, like, yeah, that makes sense. He would have been in the original trilogy. That's kind of crazy. Damn. Um. <laughs> and then uh, we also meet Lord Renly Baratheon, the younger of the king's two brothers and the master of laws, and and Varys, the eunuch and master of whisperers. And uh, yeah, he knows I'll, everything. Everything, everything, uh, and Varys, Varys tells Ned, you know, I heard about the troubles on the King's Road, that he prays for Joffrey's recovery, and Ned's like, ah, it's a shame no one prayed for the butcher's boy. He's like, yeah, mm. yeah, what's up? Mm. You know everything, huh? I'm coming in this place, guns blazing. Yeah. I'm changing oh. this up around Yo, here. When he came through yeah. and was like, yeah, we can't afford such expenses like this. I'm going to talk to Robert about it. And he's like, well, we're already 3 million gold dragons in debt to in debt to the Lannisters. What's 80,000 more? He's like, you're telling me the crown is 3 million in debt? Sir, I'm telling you the crown is 6 million in debt. <laughs> Six um, million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't own all our debt. No, like, it's crazy because they only throw that comment in there every so often. In Game of Thrones, where they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, the crown is like seriously in debt. Like, oh, as they're having a rough time out here, money wise. Yeah, like, it's all, and I think that's just to reinforce that notion that power is all perception. Like, it's not, it's not money itself. It's not, you know, like uh, brutality itself. It's just the perception of power. It's just people believe that those who say they're in charge are." Oh, that fu- and the, there's no better example of that than over in uh, fucking Karth, whenever that dude is like, "I'm the richest motherfucker out here. Look at my vault. It's full of shit. Y'all ain't gonna see it though." Then they open it and it's fucking empty. 
He's Amen. like, oh, y'all just believed me. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're we're currently sitting at thirty one point two trillion of uh, the U.S. So try to wrap your head around that number in debt. That's our crown's debt right now. Do you um, say thirty one? We're at thirty one trillion. Thirty one trillion. Yep. That's like nearly quadrupled since we were in high school. It was like yeah. a trillion. Like, yep. Yep. Yeah, no, it. it's, bad it's bad out here. It's we just hit eight billion here. people in the world. That's yep. kind of cool. We lived through that. Yep. New, new, new number ticking away up there. <laughs> Seven billion my whole life. Now it's eight. Um, there you go. Wow. What big numbers? Big numbers. Big numbers. Big numbers quick, all around. Real quick side note: I, I discovered the the truth to this question a few weeks ago, and it blew my mind. Have you ever thought about how many millions are in a billion? A million billion. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. There Wait, are ninety nine thousand million. So I was doing research on uh, Elizabeth. Uh, I can't remember her last name. Jeff Bezos's ex wife. Um, yeah. part of the pact to give away all of her money before she dies. And she's worth like $35 billion, I want to say, or maybe like 41 somewhere in that range. So I'm like, how much money is that really? There is $1,000 million in every billion. So that means 35 or 41 billion is 41,000 million. So think about a million. Now think about that forty-one thousand times. Yeah, that shit's uh, that shit always melts my brain to think. About. <laughs> Wait, like, and, and, no. and not even on that level. Just like, oh, a hundred thousand dollars. I think you're Double. thinking of a trillion, because there's only a thousand millions in a billion. Right. That's, that's what, what he said. Oh, wait. So then he bit, said forty-four, oh. forty-one billion. If you oh, break okay. one billion, that's forty-one thousand. I see now. Okay. Like, yes. Yeah, no. The, the, the shit that always blows my mind is like, you think okay. about $100,000. That's life-changing amounts of money here. Yeah. Like, times that it. by 10. True. <laughs> you got a million. And that's times like, that by 10, you got 10 million. Times like, that by 10, you have $100 million. You times that by 10, you have $1 billion. You times that by like 100, and you have the richest motherfucker in the world. Like, <laughs> like, what do you even like? It it hurts your brain. Like it hurts your brain. And there it, is one person with that much money. <laughs> I don't even know if I could buy a full McDonald's order right now with my bank account. That's where <laughs> I'm. That's where I am. I don't even know if I could go to McDonald's and comfortably order a meal. I might have to legitimately get a small fry right now. I don't know. Well, it's crazy. Like, if I, like, I don't think about it often, but like, I have a car payment. I'm paying for school that I went to for a fucking semester down at Mizzou. Like, I'm like $23,000 in debt. And it's like, I don't think about that often. You know, I don't let my thoughts dwell on that. I just go ahead and make my fucking payments. Make payments. (laughs) Like, like, ain't shit I can do about it. I got, I've just got to fucking power through. Um, but like, Six million gold dragons in debt. Now that's some that's some shit right there. That shit, that's some shit. Uh, and it really, but, yeah. I, it, 
I am much more after learning like this fact and like understanding like what it would like not even not even being able to conceive what it would be like to be in this amount amount of debt. I am much more sympathetic with Ned in this scene. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Where he's like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't need a goddamn tournament. Let me talk to Robert about this shit. Yeah. Uh, He's fucking like, loved it. Uh, I love how Robert's just not there. Like every council meeting that we saw in House of the Dragon, it didn't start until Viserys sat down. Like it, it was no question until like obviously Allison took over, whatever. But like, yeah. I love how Robert's just not there, and it's it's even laughable to think that he would be there or that no, I, he would even care of any of these things. Like yeah. Yeah, whenever whenever Ned pulls up and he's like, "Where's King Robert?" and he's like, <laughs> everyone goes, <laughs> "Oh, yeah, we're th- he has much more on his plate. We're the lords of small matters here." Okay, lords of small matters. That's such a like a power move in a way to just be like, "Yeah, we're the lords of small matters." Meanwhile, we're actually managing. The we are ruling the kingdom presently. <laughs> like, like that's that's some crazy shit. And like that's that's what was funny is I saw a tweet the other day that was like, "Who's the better king in se- like who's the better king in season one? King Robert Baratheon." Or King Viserys Targaryen the first, and I quote tweeted it and said, "This is a Robert setup. Like <laughs> you are you are wanting us to flame Robert right now because it maybe Viserys did with his actions lead the realm to war. At least he fucking tried. Yeah. <laughs> at least yeah. at least he did something out there. If Robert would have tried, maybe he could have prevented war. He just knew war was coming and didn't do a single goddamn thing about it. Like." <laughs> Yeah, and he died by a freaking boar. Yep. You know, that's what took him out eventually. That kind of sucks. Well, and um, I thought it was really interesting how, because we don't get, like, we get a couple shots of that of that scene, or I guess of that hunting trip that he was on uh, when he dies, but they don't actually go into, like, the significance of um, hunting or, like, what, like, the, how people, because when they talked about it in the House of the Dragon, um, it's an event. It's a celebration. Yeah, like a celebration. And it's like meaningful if you are a going out and able to kill things or unable to kill things. Like people actually look down on you. Uh, yeah, if, like, oh, you can't kill a fucking boar? Right. So it's like it, in, in a certain way, it's not a shameful death, right? Because he usurped the throne. Like people know Robert Baratheon was powerful. But it was a mark that his power had ended because he had lost that physical ability or he seemed to have lost that physical ability really he was probably just drunk off his ass drunk and <laughs> drunk and a little poisoned if i'm not if i remember correctly like uh lancel mm-hmm. flips something into his drink oh shit um, got about that too yeah cersei cersei six lancel on him is like yeah drug his wine a little bit get him real fucked up out there i forget how fucked up cersei is sometimes she's... oh no yeah she's uh she goes to lengths she goes to extreme lengths I'm... I mean, like, even like right here talking to Joffrey right after. Yeah, right after that. It's uh, yeah, she's talking to Joffrey she's about the incident ready. on the river. She's uh, she's 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 acting a fool. She uh, she tells him, you know, when he's king, the truth will be whatever he decides it will be. And you can and honey, you can fuck whoever you want. You don't have to if just you fuck, fuck your fuck, wife. If you want to fuck painted whores, you fuck painted whores. Yeah, come on, honey, you don't need to be loyal. Let me teach you these lessons early. You need to learn <laughs> these things, son. Yeah, lo- love, love that. You know, he wants Josh to just like. At the, 
it's interesting the way Joffrey's like like view of the crown's politics right now with the North, where he's like, well, I'd I'd install our fuck Kevin, send Kevin would, up there. Hood I would the simply North. go there, kill whoever's ruling, and put whoever I want there. It I'll is double simple. their taxes, force yeah. them to contribute to a standing army, and should it they know we'll crush them and install someone loyal, maybe fucking Kevin. It is known. This is what will happen. Yeah, it's it is just, known. That, that that's his soul. And I, I love that Cersei's like, "Oh, you little fucking moron! <laughs> oh, you oh, idiot! Yeah, oh, you're so dumb! You're so dumb, honey! Come here." Uh, <laughs> you know, she's like, "The North is bigger than every other kingdom combined." Um. A military will not, they will not be conquered by outsiders. They don't let that shit happen. Uh, King needs to be more clever. She advises him to be kind to his betrothed Sansa, to which Joffrey is, uh, he's already disgusted by Sansa. He's already like, you, you're fucking kidding me, right? Like, fuck no. And the way that, uh, you know, and she's like, and concludes, you know, anyone who isn't us is an enemy. He's like, so you, or, you know, she's like, uh, you know, keep an eye on your enemies. And he's like, so you agree the stocks are enemies. And he's like, anyone who isn't us is an enemy. I was like, oh, that was kind of hard. That was kind of hard. It's a little closed minded, but it's a hard line. Mm-mm. No, and it's the way you got to be like, you have to be very vigilant about not just um, like those people that, you know, don't like you, but just anyone, anyone who may have an opportunity to not like you because they will take it and they will fuck you up. Well, they will fuck you Cersei is quite close-minded, um, actually. Oh. Um, she keeps it the circle quite small. Yeah, um, it's all in the family with Cersei. Gen- yeah, gener- generally also blood-related. Yeah, yeah. what's as crazy close is as like, you can she, get like, to. The craziest little tidbit is that she like also fucks Lancel every once in a while. Yeah. Hmm. The, the king's cup-bearer. Yeah, comes that, around, really? comes around eventually. They really yeah. only make hands. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. There was like one scene where he was like leaving a room or something, wasn't there? Yeah, it's it's later. I don't remember when it is. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But like it's implied that they they fuck every once in a while or at least that once. And it's like, man, she really about the Lannister line, huh? Wow. That's nuts. It is. Yeah. It is indeed. But uh after this, Arya and Sansa, we, we cut to them, and they're still at odds over the incident with Joffrey and the direwolf, and Ned explains to Arya that Sansa was put in a difficult position by the king and queen. Uh, she was asked to, you know, betray her husband Joffrey, and, you know, she's going to be, his, his, she's going to be uh, his, his wife, you know? She's got to agree with him even when he's, even when he's wrong. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Okay, that's that's a bit old school. That's a bit old school, Ned. I uh, I see where you're coming from, but yeah, not the, not like Viserys was handling shit like this better, which I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I was just kind of like, oh, that's weird. I didn't think Viserys had like anything up on Ned, but maybe which this... I think that's maybe that's just how um, Patty Considine played the character. Like, do you was Viserys written to be this nice, like actually, like. Yeah, because Viserys was deeply compassionate, like, on a level that was, like, 
unnatural, not just for kings or for people. But for men at this but, time. Oh, men. wow. Okay, cool. So it's actually written like that. Oh, I didn't know if they, like, just took the liberty, like, to make him just a little more likable just in today's eye, like, you know, well, in today's no, I mean, I don't know about book-wise. I think Patty Considine obviously took it in a whole new direction, but the way they wrote the show, oh. though, he is always he's always siding with Rhaenyra. Uh, yeah. A, and you know, there is another perspective. He doesn't have a son that's, that's true born by the wife he loved. Um, yeah. And Ned does have sons. So maybe there's like a little bit of a difference there where he's like, well, I know that if I have a son and he should take a wife, I would like for him to have someone who stands by his side, no matter what. And uh, there is, there's merit in that, but this was, this was one of my favorite this was one of my favorite uh, scenes because uh, Arya shows off accidentally, not really accidentally, answers the door with needle in hand. <laughs> uh, and Ned's like, oh, you got a fucking sword, huh? And I like that. And I don't know if I've ever noticed this, but the way that like he says the same line John did. Yeah, I didn't notice. I honestly second guessed it when he said it. I was like, wait, did I get the episode wrong? And I was no, like, yeah, this is no toy. Yeah. I, and I was like, oh, I love that. Like, it was just like a nice little little parallel between the way John and Ned are. And like, uh, 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 this, this is no toy. And I like that by the end of it, you know, he's like, all right. I'll, I'll, we'll, if you're going to practice, you're going to do it right. I'll see mm-hmm. about it. I'll, I'll get back to you. BRB. Um, I, like I, I love the coolest motherfucking swords fighter character ever honored to like to oh man no nah, this aria is uh she gets my favorite character not for this this episode ah. uh for this scene and uh like her her just being you know like like i don't want to be a lady i want to be i want to be a warrior you know like i don't want to i don't want to do that shit i want to be badass and then her mm-hmm. actually training you know at um later on in the episode um is super cool and this is like just the start um, the start of of Arya's uh, true character, and uh, this would be the start of something new. <laughs> on, on her high school, on her high school musical shit. Oh, but yeah. uh, now nah, I think uh, I'm damn close to going with Arya as my favorite character of the episode as well. She had this was the beginning of a great storyline for her. Um, I do have I do have a few contenders though because there's a there's a lot of good going around in this mm-hmm. episode, but. uh I was a good place to leave them there, and we uh, then see Catelyn and Sir Roderick arrive at King's Landing, trying to sneak into the city. One difference from the book that I noticed here was that uh, part of the motivation for Catelyn and going to King's Landing was taking a boat and getting there before the party that did arrive earlier in the episode, the Starks and the Royal Party, the Baratheons and Lannisters and stuff. She was like, got to get down there before them so that they don't see me entering the city. And, you know, she the same thing happens. Littlefinger was like, oh, saw you coming in. What's up? Uh, Varys, Varys had me. But uh, nevertheless, they're spotted by one of Littlefinger's men and they're taken to meet Littlefinger at a brothel he owns. And uh, I love Catelyn be like, are you fucking for real right now? <laughs> you brought me here. Me a, you brought yeah, me here, you. bro. What do you think? I have no honor. And uh, he's like, I, it, nobody was going to be looking for you here. Shit, man. I thought I was doing the right thing. Goddamn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you take me for some back alley Sally. 
back alley Sally, fucking legendary. And I love that uh little finger, his his little his voice. Oh yeah. For oh, this is a historic moment. I know something yeah. that you do not. Says <laughs> is like he's saying it like that, and I, I and I, like the the creators leave it so open ended that like as a viewer you're expected to wonder if he does in fact actually know something that you don't. But I just don't think he does most of the time. <laughs> like no, no, I I, lo- I love everything about Littlefinger. I, I hate him. You know, I, I yeah. absolutely hate who what he stands for, but like as a, as just a character in a show, he causes so much just chaos. He's such for an no reason. Oh dude. god, like, I love I love him in a show. Yeah, he I just, adds so much to the to the story in a way that's just really really uh. <coughs> you know, he's just yeah, he's so uh, un, just effortlessly arrogant, just uh, effortlessly stocks. I mean, quick tempers, like, slow yeah. minds. And I love how Varys is just behind the like beads. Yeah, of the, he's just, just like kind of like curtain, like kind of just stand there looking in, like listening in, and then like the fucking uh, Phantom Menace over here. Yeah. Right. Let me introduce to you how I know that you are here, or how I know everything. The man who knows everything, yes, yes. <laughs> Lord Varys. What a- man, yeah, he's, I- he's he's waiting there. He he explains that one of his little birds. Uh, told him they were coming, and Catelyn is angered by the way they've been treated thus far, and asks Littlefinger for aid in finding the people who have tried to kill Bran. And uh, man, he, and I love I like how Varys is like, "Do you have the dagger?" Mm, and they're like, yeah. "What the fuck? This dude really does know everything." He's, at first, he's like, All right, oh, "Your Roger. poor hands," like, "Oh, your mm-hmm. poor hands," like instantly knowing that like she defended herself, like that's how she he even knows that. And then, like, do you have the dagger with you? And it was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah. and, uh, okay, so it's through Ravens, right? That he knows, yeah, these things. But like, how? He just has people. He just has people who just <laughs> like. Okay, like, does he just have that many Ravens, and they come back to like another human, and well, that human relays the message? Like, how does le- how does it logistically get to him? I think is what I wanted. Raven to Varys. From from my understanding, his network of spiders, you know, as as they call them, are just those people who just are just kind of, you know, constantly privy to things that he may want to know, but yet um, not of any not of any interest to anyone. Um, I, I wish they went. They only maybe point out a few of them if they relate to the story in some larger part. I wish they went into depth more who these people were. Because I do have that we only, question. We only meet a few. You know, we know Jorah yeah. at the moment is a little bird across the sea. We know later on that he actually uses children throughout the city to to report back to him because nobody assumes children are listening. Um but like in the north, we have no I don't think we ever figure out who his little bird right. the north are. Like I don't know. It's 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 very interesting. I, it would be interesting to learn a so little. So it's more not through literal ravens, then. Well, they say. I, mean, like, I think for from the north, it would make sense for someone who is a messenger to have access to one of his ravens and give it to the. But raven. it would be. It's not through. Okay. No, he's not talking to ravens. <laughs> it is a human sending the raven every day. Yeah. Like okay, That's- because like. 
That's my thought. To me, it seems so insane that he knows so much every detail that, like, I don't know. That's just a lot. That's a that's I don't know. That's just insane. That's a that's a huge network. Like, I guess it's just that more impressive. Maybe it's just hitting me now. Yeah, no. How it, impressive it, is that? I think it is. is supposed to. It is supposed to be a little daunting and hard to understand because, I mean, not only because of the way communication worked then, but like <laughs> to have that sort of reach is kind of nuts. To to have spies everywhere is like at first. Thing to yeah, I'm thinking like, yo, what's the ties that he has with the Three Eyed Raven? You know, is that his main tie? Uh, you know, like is that yeah, his is so. that his source, dude? That would be nuts. That would be nuts. To, the three-eyed yeah. raven was like, "All right, I'm gonna write this motherfucker right quick." Uh, Varus falls asleep at night. The three-eyed raven's there. He's like, "Yo, so check this out." Um, yeah, it just gives him like a daily tabloid, just every day. <laughs> the the three-eyed raven's like, "Here's what you want to know today to make your life full, more fun and interesting." Well, you I mean, know? like that's the power of having like Bran on the throne at the end of the show. He's never surprised by shit. No, nope. you know, anybody's doing anything, he knows. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, they hand the dagger to Varys and he's like, she's like, do you know whose it is? He's like, I'm sorry to say I do not. And Littlefinger's whole, it is a historic moment. Get out the history books. You do not. Start writing this down. This is amazing. He lost it in a tournament when he bet on Jamie Lannister as any sane man would. Uh, and Tyrion, uh, bet against him <laughs> which i thought was a funny funny little detail that Tyrion did not bet on they, his brother they rigged it you yeah, think because they're jamie jamie and and Tyrion are they seem cool with each other i feel like they they rigged that maybe, maybe it's like uh maybe he had a little inside information like jamie's like oh i don't know i don't know about that new kid he might get my ass um hmm. the the oh, what, what what do they call him uh, I know it's Loris Tyrell. It's uh, I can't remember what they called him though. It's like the Flower Knight or some shit like that. Oh, uh, mm. like some I can't remember. like kind of flowers or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All Tyrells over there, but they're, they're from Garden High Garden. High Garden. The Knight yeah. of the Flowers. The Knight oh, of the Flowers. Knight of the Flowers. <laughs> yeah. Kick ass. All right. So I was a lot closer than I thought. I just thought it sounded goofy as fuck. It um, does. Goofy. I thought it sounded <laughs> goofier because I yeah. was like, nah, it was goofy. Any sane man would when the night of the flowers unseated him. The yeah. night of the flowers. So it's of the flowers. Yeah. Of, of the, the flowers. night of flowers. I lost his dagger to whom? Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. All right. Cool. Night. So, yeah. Littlefinger lost this dagger to Tyrion. It seems pretty obvious at this point for us who have watched the show that Cersei framed Tyrion pretty hard here. Um, knew that if anybody traced this dagger back to anybody, it'd be Tyrion. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. kind of fucked from that point. But after this, little fi- Littlefinger fetches Ned to meet his wife, and but Ned suspects uh, a little bit, a little bit trickery is going on around Littlefinger. <laughs> so he goes ahead and holds him by the throat up against the wall of the brothel, wanting to know what his game is. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking loved that, dude. I, I fucking loved it because, like, it's just I love that Ned's like, dude. I'm not gonna put up with any of your fucking shit. I know, I know you're up to something. I don't trust you around my wife. Mm. I'm ready to fuck you up. Want to know an awesome little cool thing in this episode? Like, I 
I've been paying attention to a lot of the transitions between scenes of like Daenerys and and John. A lot of times it goes from John and Daenerys or to Daenerys to John. Um, yeah. But this time, whenever Ned uh, put uh, Baelish in the chokehold, it went immediately then to John getting put in a chokehold by the Brothers of the Night's Watch, like uh, immediately afterwards, <laughs> um, which is just, I don't know, it's so cool, just the, the transitions that, as a new viewer, you're not thinking of it at all, like whatsoever, but like, it's just a cool way of the, the writers to be like, a long-time viewer will give some satisfaction out of this. You yeah, know? like I dig it, I dig uh, it. But uh, Catelyn then appears to him. And Ned's immediately pacified. He's like, oh, dope. Okay, there's my boo. What's up, boo? What's up, boo? How you doing? And <laughs> uh, after hearing her news, he's like, all right. Sounds good. I'm going to investigate this. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I'm going to expose the Lannisters to Robert directly. And Littlefinger's like, yes, I will be your ally in this. Quote, unquote. I don't trust this motherfucker at all. I did warn you not to trust me. Um, and, uh, yeah, not looking good for him, because Littlefinger agrees to be his ally, and, you know, for the affection he wants for Catelyn, and Catelyn's like, he is like a little brother to me, like, and Littlefinger's like, ah, boo, I wanna, I wanna marry you and shit, mm -hmm. um, I have for quite some time. Dang, I forgot about that, he actually gets there, eventually, yep. like, dang. Man, He's so much bad. happens in the show. Holy He's shit. He's down bad. He's down bad for Cat. But uh, Ravens then arrive at King's Landing with news of Bran's recovery. And it is brought to, uh, brought to Cersei, brought to Ned. Everyone learns. And Cersei fears he will expose their secret. But Jamie comforts her, confident they can outwit a child if need be. Uh, and this whole scene just... Uh, God, they're icky. They are Don't icky. worry, baby. Even if it goes... Not our way, I'll kill everyone on this earth until it's just us. Brother and sister. Forever. Forever. Twins at that, in the same womb, together. Just everything. Just wow. whole life, side by side. Came <laughs> into this world together, exit the world together. Something, something disturbingly poetic about it. Um. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, this whole scene, this was one of, uh, uh, one person I'm considering for the performance here is Nikolaj Kosterwaldau as Jamie Lannister. Hmm. I think he does very, very good in this episode. I don't know that I'm going to go with him yet, but uh, he is somebody I'm considering because this scene and the scene, uh, the next scene coming up, he does fucking phenomenally in, and I know I'm going to go with him. Uh for the line here before long. But uh, mm. after this scene, we see Robert swapping some old war stories with Sir Barristan Selmy, uh, who becomes just an absolute fucking G later on in the no. show. Sir Barristan is like, bruh, like, you can't really, mm -mm. I don't know, you, you can't really compare it to him. Like, he's just, like, on another level with it. And you're just like, this old man is doing that like that? And you're just like... This old man is like that, bro. Remember when he was taking out Sons of the Harpy on his way out? He took, he was like 30v1, took out like 28 of them hoes. Like, all of them died. And he was no. the only one facing them. There, mm. there, there was a scene later, right before Daenerys 
uh, conquers, uh, what's the final place? Uh, um, is it Marine? No. Yeah, Marine. Is, is Marine the place? Like, that's the eventual place where she sets up shop. She, like, posts up with, like, the yeah. pyramid and stuff. I think so. So, when she was conquering that town, and they sent out the this, this single challenger, um, and everybody was like, uh, your grace, like, let me let, let me uh, fight uh, for your honor or whatever. And everyone there, when Sir Barristan volunteered, was like, nah, man, you gotta stay. Like, you're the you're the queen's god. Like, yeah, you... you you holding it down, bro. You cannot go out there right now. Yeah. Um, like, we know, man. We know you'd fuck up, whoever this is. But, you know. But on the off chance you don't, we can't right. risk that. I was like, uh, that man is powerful. Yeah, that man's a fucking badass. And, uh, you know, they're they're talking about their, their first kills and stuff. Oh, you remember the first. Fucking love Mark Addy. As Robert Baratheon once again, fucking phenomenal, and he, uh, you know, he sends Lancel out to get him some more wine. He's like, more wine. Then he, uh, he's like, so we're out. He's like, oh, you're out of wine, are you? Is that what that means? How about you get the fuck out of here? Get me more. And on his way, I was like, tell your cousin to come in here. Hey, Kingslayer, get in here. (laughs) Uh, Fucking fantastic. Jamie walks on in. Jokes around, you know, I'm surrounded by Lannisters. I see their blonde hair in my nightmares. Fucking fantastic. <laughs> the whole, yeah, this this whole monologue really is a uh, is a really strong one. Surrounded by Lannisters, every time I close my eyes, I see their blonde hair and smug, satisfied faces. It must wound your pride, huh? Standing out there like a glorified sentry. And Jamie's like, I'm fucking your wife. Um, I'm fucking your wife. <laughs> Damn. Yep. <laughs> Jamie. Lannister. I guess. I guess. Honestly, Robert probably doesn't care. Anyways, really, like he he'll be mad. Yeah, obviously because he, like, he has be to like... be. But like on the real, like to his core, it probably doesn't really bother him. No. no. The only thing that would bother him is that it's his, it's her fucking brother. Um. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> I yeah. true. Forced to mind the door while your king eats and drinks and shits and fucks. <laughs> fucking Robert with the fucking bars here. So come yeah. on, we're telling war stories. Who was your first kill, not counting old men? What, like, that whole fucking monologue right there is goddamn brilliant by Mark Addy. I fucking love it. Uh, but, uh, Jamie, you know, one of the outlaws in the Brotherhood and Barristan was like, I was there that day. You were only a squire, 16 years old. Uh, and I like the way that Jamie and Barristan are like, yeah. Like, Jamie's like, yeah, you were fucking awesome that day. When you killed that one guy, that was one of the best moves I've ever seen. Okay. Um, you know, you're, you're outlaw, any last words? Oh, I cut off his head, so no. And uh, my this this is where my favorite line of the episode comes in. What about Aerys Targaryen? What did the Mad King say when you stabbed him in the back? I never asked. Did he call you a traitor? Did he plead for a reprieve? And here it is. He said the same thing he'd been saying for hours. Burn them all. And they're, they're, everyone in the room is kind of like, oh. Okay, and they really do a good job playing Jamie 
with complexity there. Uh, uh, Costa Walder does a good job playing Jamie with complexity there because on one level, like you have to recognize that, like while it's hard as a viewer to like either Jamie or Robert Baratheon in that scene, like as as they're written, Jamie is very much trying not to like he's he's trying to pander to Robert. Like he he very much doesn't like being there, like talking with him. And you can you can see that, but when he gets down to the root of it, you know he lets him kind of walk on him a little bit. But he's just like, I did what I had to do. Same thing he'd been saying for hours: burn them all. And then everyone like gapes at him, and then he's like, "If that will be all, your grace," walks on out. Like, <laughs> yeah, just walks right. uh, Nah, man, it's getting harder and harder for me to not go with Nikolaj Kolsterwald out because that that yeah. that really was such a fantastic scene, but. uh like Mark Addy again, fucking fantastic playing off of him there. Mm. Um, it'll be hard. I'm gonna keep. I'm. A, I'm a hold in my favorite performance and favorite character until we get to the end because I'm having a real tough time with this episode. But uh, yeah, that was a great fucking scene, and you're absolutely right about Nikolaj Kolsterwald playing that with some very very cool complexity about how he is so assured that he did the right thing, but he's been damned for it ever since. Like everyone's, everyone's shamed him. And that obviously goes on to be a massive part of his arc with Brienne of Tarth and everything. Like, uh, it's a, he, he's a fantastic actor. And frankly, there's, he only gets better and better. But, uh, the next one is actually my favorite scene in the episode. Uh, Ned has contracted a sword master, Sirio Pharrell. The former first sword of Bravos to teach Arya how to use her sword properly, and uh, yeah, love me some Sirio Pharrell. This dude, uh, yeah. uh, the actor who plays him, actually appeared in the Force Awakens as well. I'll point out every Star Wars Game of Thrones crossover. He appeared in the Force Awakens as a uh, just a fucking person, a patron at Maz Kanata's uh, bar. Mm. He was he was just there. Didn't say anything. Was just <laughs> was just there. Um, Cool. But I loved, I loved this scene. You know, th- them setting Arya on a path, and uh, mm-hmm. Arya is absolutely thrilled. Uh, and the dance begins. You know, I love the way he's like, "Turn your turn side face. It's good. You're skinny, smaller target." And the way she just attacks him, and he just breezes her off nice and easy. And the way she's never, she never is disappointed with the way she's performing. She's just happy to finally be doing this. Right. Mm. Oh yeah. No, she's having fun. She's like smiling the whole time. Whole time. Like this. Time. Yeah, this is by far my favorite scene too. Like this is why I have Arya as the favorite character. Um, and then like you, like you know, you see her getting happier with it. And then what? Just like the cherry on top is just having Ned just walk in and watch. You know, just from the door, like just like kind of watch. But then it kind of takes a a weird yeah, turn. Yeah, his. Uh, um, I mean, little, this man's this man's been to he's, war. He's he's, he's not, been through it. Yeah, yeah he's not. Um, not exactly but happy to see his it was, daughter. It training. was it was kind of happy at first. He was like, ah, well, it started like, happy. Finally, like, my daughter is doing what she wants. You know, she's yeah. having fun. But then, like, but then oh, he's like, oh, fuck. what does this mean for her in the future? Is my daughter going to die at war? Yeah. What's I know war is coming. Nope, she is the crucial warrior. She is. Yeah. She needs to have that skill. Yep. Um, actually, and um, I love you, that you would all be of it proud, comes- Ned. Yeah. I love that all of it comes from Bravos too. Like mm-hmm. uh, sort of the first sort of Bravos is the first one to teach her. She goes to Bravos to find the house of the house of black and white. Uh, obviously, she learned some from Brienne and 
the hound along the way. But mm-hmm. Bravos is she she fights like a Bravosi as they're, yeah. as they're regarded. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean Arya is for sure my my character, and that scene is is the scene uh, for me. Um, so we'll, we'll have I guess I'm gonna hold off on that. I think it's mm-hmm. my favorite scene, but there's another yeah. one that's just like I, 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 okay. Um, but that does conclude the story at King's Landing. Uh, next we'll head to Winterfell. Very brief, very brief scene here at, uh, at Winterfell. Bran has awoken, but has no memory of the accident and his injuries mm-hmm. have left him bedridden. Uh, he's not going to be walking anytime soon. And old Nan, the, <laughs> the, the oldest servant in the castle, <laughs> the spiders, biggest hounds. I fucking love this lady. I fucking love this lady. Is this the oh, story you want to hear, little boy? Like, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep going. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, I absolutely loved this scene too. And uh, you know what? I'm gonna declare a favorite performance. Okay. No fucking way! It's this lady. It's not this lady. It's oh. Isaac Hempstead right as Bran. I think okay. he does fucking fantastic in this scene. Um. Whenever he's like, whenever he is getting like, he's sitting there, he's like, I don't like those stories. And then uh, whenever Rob walks in is really when it starts to get good for him. Whenever he's like, uh, I'd, I'd rather be dead. And and Rob's oh. like, don't say that. And he goes, I'd rather be dead. You know, like I, it is a child actor and saying a line like that could be so believe like, so like, okay, yeah, clearly, clearly yeah. this kid doesn't want to be, I believe this kid wants to be dead. You know what I'm saying? Um yeah. Brent, like Isaac Hempstead Wright plays this scene incredibly well, and uh, you That's know fair. later on his his, uh, his character doesn't warrant a lot of performance uh, appraisal uh, because he is rather simple uh, later on. But uh... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's got to play a weird, creepy though. You know, like he does, he it, there's something to that. He's there probably is... not like that in real life. You know, no, no, I, certainly I'd assume not. not. I don't know. Certainly not. Uh, but like, uh, seeing seeing him with emotion, we don't get a lot of it. We don't get a lot of emotion out of Bran, and having it here really does really does make it uh make it worth it. But uh, and you don't realize until later that you're gonna really miss this Bran. Like, oh, you don't at all. You're gonna miss the Bran that's like compassionate and and childlike. I'm, yeah, and I, I and I love and frankly, it was another great scene for Richard Madden acting off acting off of him when he's like, "No, d- like, don't say that, man. Like, you're my little brother. I love you, dog. Like, and whenever he walks in, he's like, "Old oh, man, get the fuck out of here. Go get yourself <laughs> something to eat." Uh, <laughs> I absolutely loved that, and uh, you know, she's talking about the white work, the White Walkers, and the vast winter that will blanket the world, and it's like, "Aha, they're coming. They're, they're coming." And that, Bran that. will be closer to them than most. Mm. But uh, that's it. That's it for Winterfell. Next, we're at the Wall uh, and at Castle Black. The the primary show of everything is Jon Snow uh, showing his worth. For me, the Wall early on in the show is lacks so like is so uncompelling, um, which is why. I feel like the whole, like, you know, this this show starts with that scene of the White Walkers. Um, mm. But that threat, by this, even by this point in the show, 
watching it, you're just like, what was that first scene? What what the what was the point of that? What? <laughs> well, and that's one of the things I've always loved about rewatching the show is that John starts from absolutely nothing. Like yep. you truly, the first time you watch that, do not give a fuck about what's happening at the wall. Exactly. You know? And come come four seasons down the line, you're like, take me back to the fucking wall. What yeah. the fuck is John doing? What's going on with the wildlings? You know, like you. Uh-huh. you like, oh, there's that, a hole in the wall now. Yeah, Dragon yeah. did that. Like, the, yeah, it's like I don't know. It eventually becomes everything. That's I don't know, that's kind of my favorite line comes later here, um, and it kind of centers around this whole thing, um, which is kind of cool. Like, I don't know. I love like now watching it. I love every moment we get at the wall and all the little early sea droppings and stuff like that. But yeah, at the very beginning, like watching with my girlfriend, she like whenever John was up on on screen, she was like who's that again? And I had to explain that it's just the bastard son of Ned Stark, no one important at all, not no. the, you know, the prince who's promised and literally don't, the most don't worry person about in the rat right now. Um, uh, but, no, yeah, he's just Ned Stark's bastard, and I love that like he's beaten ass, you know, we meet a lot of characters here, Sir Alistair Thorne, Lord Commander Gior Mormont, not to mention Gren and Pip. Uh, they become they become more important for for John's sanity up at the wall later on because he needs some homies and they're the only ones who's coming through. But uh, yeah, he bests pretty much everyone out there. Breaks some other breaks Gren's nose and Thorne yeah. is disgusted at the performance of everybody else and has no praise for John either. Dubbing him the least useless person here and uh, watching over the new recruits. Uh, Gior Mormont uh, is watching alongside Tyrion. And uh, Tyrion notes that Thorne's pretty. Uh, he's this guy's got quite the the tactics here to, uh, for instruction. Uh, he's an asshole. Oh. Yeah, he's a dickhead. Um, and Gior doesn't care as as he only requires Thorne to turn the thieves and runaways into men of the Night's Watch, and that is something he does well. And uh, later on, several of the other recruits gang up on John. Uh, they they all they all hold him. Gren's like, "You broke my nose." They they hold him up against the wall, ready to cut his fucking throat. And Tyrion walks in and is like, "Oh, you guys have pretty faces, very distinctive faces. They look very interesting uh, on pikes at King's Landing." Uh, and they're like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna get the fuck out of here, John. You got lucky this time. Bye." Uh, <laughs> but uh, Tyrion points out to John that none of the other recruits had the you know master at arms to train them, and uh, that John is alienating them through his you know superiority complex because uh, he's that's what's kind of funny about this is i don't remember i didn't really remember john being such a uppity asshole yeah um, i know yeah, yeah either i i yeah, honestly like, he, i'm i'm still not like i'm in like season four of my actual rewatch and i'm still not like at a point where i love john yet i'm all, i'm kind of like it's kind of crazy how much we end up loving john like oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. I think uh, I think whenever he goes north of the wall, whenever he goes and lives with the wildlings for a little bit, that's when you start to be like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy's this guy's got something about him that's a little bit more important. But it's not to like hard home that you go, oh, but, but because he's, dude, 
I mean, like, right now he does think he's better than these people because, like, all these people are thieves or rapists or, like, and he just happens to be a bastard son. Like, he kind of does in his mind, like, I am better than them. I should be going north of the wall with you, Uncle Benjamin. Like, come on. Like, I am better than these people. And, and like, it, it, that's just how, I don't know. That's part of his, like, one of his many lessons that he learns along the way. Oh, and I loved, Um, I loved Tyrion being like, you see Pip there? It was either they took his hand or or he was sent to the wall because he stole bread for his starving sister. See Gren there? He didn't do shit either. He just got sent here. Like, you gotta talk to your homies. These these are the only people you will have. Talk to them. Don't act like you're above them. And I, I like that that was coming from Tyrion, which I thought was kind of funny. Mm. But like it's he's one of the only people who, who gets who gets that that sort of shit. You know, like he's like, I can't I've never been able to look at myself as better than anyone. So do your best not to. I've had I've had all the resources, I've had all the money, but no matter where I went, I was always looked at as less than. So mm. keep in mind that you're not better than anybody, you know? Like talk to them, talk be be brotherly. These are your brothers. These are who you're spending your life with. So keep that in mind. But uh uh next up, Benjamin meets John atop the wall. Some beautiful visuals here too of John making his way up the wall like the the whole journey up the fucking elevator ride that takes like 30 suck. seconds out of the episode would or, suck to be the dude at the bottom having to push the oh. thing all the way up oh yeah. my god if he lets go does john like fall you think there's probably a catch yeah, I think built in stops. hopefully like some yeah, sort it, of thing built in there because like that's got to be exhausting like to do that down there like man sure and i'm the sure cold too fuck yeah but uh yeah, Benjamin lets him know he's ranging the haunted forest. That's his plan. And John's like, let me go with you. I'm ready. And, and he's like, no, no, you're not. And uh, here, rank and nobility mean nothing. He's like, I'm bet You're better than no one. I, I mm. fucking loved that. That was such There's, a great scene. Yeah, my favorite line of the episode is that one right there. Um, it's it's the last thing he says to John before he leaves. Um telling him that he's better than no one here a man gets what he earns when he earns it and then i'll speak or we'll speak when i return um Mm -hmm. and like every every time that a stark has left him um and says like we'll speak when i return like the words that he's last heard from them have been like very crucial lessons to him from ned being that he has stark blood that he is a stark regardless it's it's crazy Uh, too that like this this does stick with John, you know, uh, to the point where it's what kills him. You know, uh, it's that's how they lure him out into the corner of the yard out there whenever they're like, Benjamin, he's here. He's arrived. And they're like, he's like, oh, shit, take me to him. And they go out there and they're like, up, ah, you gonna die. Um, you gonna die. You gonna die. You gonna die. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, and then we do see Benjen again, eventually. Uh, John and Benjen reunite north of the wall in that crazy Beyond the Wall episode in Season 7. But uh, before departing, Benjen stops by the eating area to say farewell to Yorin, a fellow Night's Watchman who's been hanging out with Tyrion for a couple seconds, exchanging some jokes and stories. And what's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, this guy's <laughs> talking about how he ate a bear's balls, and then Tyrion's like, do Dornish girls count? And they're like, 
just some homies talking about eating puss. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, but, but Tyrion here, like later on, especially when Benjamin comes in, like Tyrion's really funny here. Like, oh, he's just, he's incredible. Like uh, Benjamin just being so serious, you know, like just a, he's being a Stark, you know. Oh, you make a you make a joke of my service. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know. No, not no, really. I, I really honor. And then Benjamin cuts him off. Anything, uh, you know, I heard once heard that anything a man says before the word but means this nothing. fucking fantastic. Yeah. yeah, you don't have enough men to be an army. And aside from your in here, none of you are particularly funny. Benjamin <laughs> uh, going, I hope we provided you with some good stories to tell when you're back in King's Landing. That's something to think about when you're drinking your wine down there, enjoying your brothels. Half the boys you've seen training will die north of the wall. Might be a wildling's axe that gets them. Might be sickness. Might just be the cold. They die in pain. And they do it so plump little lords like you can enjoy their summer afternoons in peace and comfort. Tyrion looks to Yorin. Do you think I'm plump? (laughs) All that. He's like playing him off. Yeah. It just instantly plays him off. Like, and just. And this is one of the most iconic lines in the show. Mm -hmm. You know, my brother once told me that nothing counts. Nothing someone says before the word but really counts. It's one that gets called back to a couple times. I think Sansa says it later on. Uh, And, you know, he's talking about how giants and ghouls and white walkers are lurking beyond the wall. He doesn't really believe that. That the only difference between them and the wildlings is that when the wall went up, our ancestors happened to be on the right side of it. And that's it. That's the difference. Uh, well, partially right, but also partially wrong. Yeah, uh, to be sure. But uh, when Benjen when Benjen leans leaves, Tyrion's like, I think he's starting to like me. <laughs> just just a fantastic scene from Tyrion. There, always always fucking yeah. incredible. And in the he learns a little bit about the the vernacular. You know, you going under. Yep. So what the fuck's going under? Oh, he's going to the tunnel under the wall. He's going to go north. Like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Wall speak. Um, Sick. We're learning the language that they speak at the wall. But yeah. later, Tyrion discusses north discusses north of the wall with Jor Mormont and his chief advisor, Maester Aemon. Meet Maester Aemon here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh yes. Tyrion. One time. of the last remaining. Yes, it's brother. him, Daenerys, and Viserys. Well, just Daenerys and and Aemon before long, um, and like, then just Daenerys. True. Sorry, man. Yeah, there, oh, there, are two, there are two Targaryens at the Wall right now. Um, hello. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy, but you know, Maester Aemon, and they, they all have a discussion here. Dior asks for Tyrion to intercede at court. He's like. Hey, we know you the king's brother, you're the queen's brother and shit. Can you ask them that we need help? We need more people. I don't know if you've seen the motherfuckers we got out here, but it ain't right. This ain't what it's been. It ain't uh, right. <laughs> this ain't what I'm looking for. We got less than a thousand of us now. Come through and help a brother. And Eamon warns that the Stark words are right. Winter is coming. It will be more harsh and terrible than any in living memory. Uh, more dangerous things than wildings might come with it. After all, one of their uh, numbers swore that the White Walkers had returned right up to the moment Ned Stark cut his head off. And Tyrion admits his skepticism that supernatural creatures might exist, but he agrees to bring word to the Queen. 
and before departing for King's Landing, Tyrion fulfills an old ambition by climbing to the top of the wall and pissing <laughs> off the edge of it. Naturally. As but, anyone would. Oh, I mean... How could you not? If I was there, goddamn, I would piss off the edge. For I don't sure. know, at least spit. I think I'd at stay. Least, yeah, at I, least a spit, you know. Um, that, that's just how... any human... Like whenever Benjamin and John are like standing like right there on the edge, I'm like, bro, back up a little bit, honey. dude. Yeah, that is freaky. That no, is freaky. like I, I would, I'd faint and fall right off the edge. Yeah, but, yeah, you'd get vertigo just looking down, and then just be like, yep, fuck, I'm well, like, yep. You know there when I you go. like look at like a really tall building or a really far drop, and you start like accidentally leaning the way you're like looking, yeah. like yeah. I'm falling, and I have no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> fuck that. Uh uh-uh. uh But uh, yeah, he and John. I, share one last little moment before he departs and uh i like i liked that scene as well them getting one last little moment together mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that concludes the story there at uh at the wall ah now on to the dothraki sea yes. very very close to the end of this episode but uh daenerys commands the kalasar here to to halt on a whim she's like you know what I got power now. They listen to me. I'm going to be a little bit of a Khaleesi to these hoes. Uh, everybody, yeah. stop for a second. I want to feel the grass in my toes. Uh, she goes She goes on a walking, and Viserys rides up like, Yo, you dare command me? And uh, she's like, yeah, bitch. And uh, he's like, you've woken the dragon, sister. I'm going to hurt you real bad. Ugh. You don't know what's about to happen, girl. And then Whip. <laughs> whipped around the neck by Rakaro, a Dothraki warrior wielding a whip. And uh, Daenerys calms the situation. I like that he's like, do you want me to kill him? Do you want me to kill him? Yeah, do you want him dead? I'll kill this uh, motherfucker oh, no, right Yeah, here. he says it in Dothraki, and then the translator goes, he wants to know if you want him dead, Khaleesi. Like, just yeah. says it so, the, like, I love casually. the way that, like, the, the handmaiden there, like, looks up at him and is like, I don't know, man. She doesn't want it to happen. <laughs> she, I don't know like, what to tell you. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, and, like, and he's like, he's like, are you kidding me? I don't yeah, even get like, I don't him. know, man. Seems weird to me, but like, apparently that's what she wants. Whatever. Yeah, um, I guess. Sure. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite scene of the episode. I I forgot mm-hmm. about it. This is my favorite scene, um, because it's the first time Daenerys comes into her own a little bit as far as power is concerned. Uh, the Dothraki listen to her like Viserys commands Jorah cut this man's head off and he looks to he looks to Daenerys and is like what would you like me to do Khaleesi <laughs> and uh, and I, I just absolutely love the way Viserys gets sunned he's like all right I'm gonna board my horse and the Ricaro's like no you walk um, <laughs> just everything about this was so fucking satisfying and uh, <laughs> I really really love it but uh yeah later on mm. later on uh one of uh, her handmaidens Erie is tending to Daenerys and is like when was the last time you bled Khaleesi uh i think you are with child yeah just like huh? holy shit it just feels up Daenerys and Daenerys is like uh yo what's what's She's up like, with that like yo them titties she, oh, yo them titties yeah. popping like yeah. what's going on here <laughs> um, yeah, a gift it, it, from it, the great call, or what? What do they all say? What? Uh, whenever is it a gift? 
Oh, they refer oh, to yeah. like they refer to it because even uh, someone else says it later, not just here. Like uh, it was said like later on or something. I think ah, whatever. Um, a blessing from the great stallion. There it is. Yeah, right. yeah. A blessing from the great stallion. I love that. Uh, uh, like she goes out there and she like talks to Jorah and the other Dothraki and is like, she hasn't bled in two moons, guys. She's prego. Um. Uh-huh. Give her, give her some, some not. She doesn't want to eat horse. What can we? She doesn't give want to her? eat uh, horse. Some... She doesn't want to eat dog. He's oh, like, right. I'll have one of the men to goat. Yeah, and they... no, it was because the guys were like, ah, whatever, just eat whatever. And then she was like, but she is, you know. And then she was like, but she is not bled in two moons. And then Jorah was like, Jorah's like, I will have them slaughter a goat for her meal. Like he was instantly like. She's pregnant, and Jorah just instantly got up and just sent. Yeah, he's like, "All right, oh, I'm on so it then." Good. But yeah, I love, like, I love Daenerys laying down with Khal Drogo here. Them, them, you know, mm. cuddling after sex. Um, tells him uh, she thinks it'll be a boy, and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> <That> makes <laughs> <you know. laughs> that. Oh, what make you say that?" And uh, she, <laughs> and she's like, "I don't know, just a feeling." And he's like, "Fuck yeah." I'm going to have a boy. Uh, but right outside the tent, Sir Jorah, Mormont, and Rajaro are, uh, you know, comparing the ways of battle, you know. He's like, uh, what, the uh, the steel dress? And he's like, armor. Armor. Uh, yes, yes, it does make you slow. This is true. And I love the way that they're, like, having just, like, a, a genuine conversation. Rajaro's not being dismissive of the Westerosi ways. He's like... Oh, this is like actually interesting to me. Like, my dad was a great warrior here. I hear your dad's a great. Like, what about your dad? And he's like, Oh, mine is a great warrior as well. A man of great honor, and I betrayed him, disgraced. Um, and what's funny is they never go as far as to like explicitly make it clear to you that Gior Mormont at the Night's Watch is his dad. You just kind of had to be paying attention. You really? Um, I didn't notice that for like. I don't know if I, I ever. I don't know if I ever. Noticed. I don't think I noticed it until they like explicitly say it way later in the show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it happens way later in the show. And I certainly didn't notice it. I remember when the first time they mentioned it, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. They're, they're so Mormon. far apart uh, that it's just, yeah, they're so far apart that it just doesn't correlate. Like it just doesn't. No, it doesn't. The, they don't even come close to you thinking One of the same thing, thing I am interested in. Does the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch follow some different set of rules? What? Well, he has kids. Oh, uh, did he already have? He probably land. Or he probably had him before he went. Oh yeah, like he still has. A he would have been Lord. He would have been Lord of Bear Island at some point, right? Yeah, he would have been Lord of Bear Island. But well, like, I feel like I the Night's maybe Watch it's is like, like pretty. You know, well, you work your yeah. way up, sort of thing. He's like the warden, you know. Sort of thing. So yeah, I think yeah. like maybe, maybe it's like killed. maybe it's like it is a highborn seat seated position to rule the Night's Watch. Like you're you're not a member of the Night's Watch. You can be considered you're an honorary member. You, you have to be first of the highest born to get stuck with fucking the Night's Watch. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I I'm intrigued by it. I don't mm. think that I don't think they ever go into it, but I it didn't occur to me till just now. I'm like, yeah. wait, why the fuck is he there? Yeah, um, because John that. works his way up, and they're like, "This is who we want to be the Lord Commander." So was Gior just like, I don't know. It's it's Wait, interesting. Was it because of the like? Because Jorah got in trouble. 
for trying to sell slaves, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, but, maybe his maybe his because it was on his father's land and he oversaw it. Maybe Ned was like, "You got to go to the Night's Watch, man." Like maybe maybe it's either, it was. It's either your hand or the Night's Watch. You know, like the same ultimatum they give whatever you know yeah. for. You will leave this place in the hands of Little Lady Mormont. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- this whole conversation culminates when uh, you know Erie comes out and is like, "Daenerys is pregnant. Let's feed her." And uh, he's like, "I have to go. I must go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get, I, I will get her a goat, and now I must go." Well, that's the thing is he's like, oh, fuck, I got to go tell this. I got to go tell Varys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, shit. She's about to have a kid. That's some real shit right there. Um, Got to inform my dude. What's so, up, Varys? Have you seen uh, the like concept art of the of the baby that was in Daenerys's womb? Like it came out with House of the Dragon, like showing the, the two babies. Yeah. Like. Is it kind of, like, do they start out as dragons and then become a human? I don't like, think it's... why are they I don't scaly? Think it's a guarantee. I don't think it's a guarantee. It's the reason neither of their pregnancies worked, though. Like, it's just some Targaryen pregnancies fail because they they have that blood magic uh, tying them to the dragons. Um, so if the dragon gene comes out, it's, it's a, a stillbirth. Yeah. Or, like, it's just the baby just dies yeah so like they okay that's that's why it's like uh you know the the sacrifice at the end was like oh it'll the isn't it like a life for a life like if you if you allow cal drogo to die we or sacrifice the baby Mm -hmm. or sacrifice the horse you keep both of them well the baby just didn't didn't work out on its own accord yeah. There was no there was nothing there. Like it was just that baby was not going mm. to live. Um and then it just so happened that she made a useless sacrifice for Caldrogo to die. Um, yep, sometimes that happens, you know. When you accidentally make a sacrifice to uh try to yeah, save your family but end up screwing it. Ooh. That happens. And thus be the ending of that episode. Of Game of Thrones, Lord it's... Lord Snow, episode three, uh, directed by Brian Kirk. Interestingly enough, Brian Kirk only directs three episodes of Game of Thrones, and they are episode three, four, and five in this first season. He does not di- direct another episode again. Directors must have been sick. Yeah, right, right. But uh, hmm. yeah, it's uh, it was a goodie. It wasn't quite as good as some of the other ones, but uh, let's go over some favorites. Uh, I think you've had all of them, but your character, Colton. Um, it all looks right. like if you, um, I'm gonna take a double. I'm gonna take settled. a double check real quick. Um, Let me. But, uh, but mine, uh, real quick. Um, I have Arya as my favorite character, um, and building off of that, my scene is uh, her sword lesson um, at the end. Is uh, kind of leading into why she's my favorite character of the episode. Uh, just you know, it's the start of of her arc, and I, I just I love to to see it just in the in the early form. Um, and I gave the performance again to to Sean Bean as Ned Stark um, mm-hmm. as I did last week. Um, I just couldn't really I don't know uh, performance wise. He was in it so much 
um, on screen and he had to react to so many things and he was so, like, he was just very emotional this episode. Um, and so I gave it to him. And then my line was, um, the line that Benjamin told John of uh, that he's better than no one and that he has to get what he earns, uh, mm. when he earns it. Um, so all right. Yeah. Then performance wise, I've got Isaac Hempstead right as Bran. I stand by that scene. I got that scene with Daenerys kind of commanding the Kalasar. I like that. Mm. Line, I've got, he said the same thing he'd been saying for hours, burn them all by Jamie. I stand by that. I do have to pick a character, and that's mm-hmm. that's tough. That uh, is, I'm having trouble with characters. Well. I almost picked Varys for the realization that I had of, like, his network and, like, how connected that man really is. Yeah, you um, know, I think, uh, I mean, I am leaning Arya. Arya was my gut feeling straight o- straight off the episode. Um I really, really love her in this episode, and she's uh, she really comes into her own as a character. But I, I think I'll make a trade with you. If you want to take Arya as the character, I'll swap to Varys as my character because I have Arya and the the sword fighting as my scene. I, you know, if you want to change it to that on your own accord, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm having a tough time deciding. You know, I I liked Arya. A lot. I do like John's character progression in this in this episode a lot. You know, it is called Lord Snow. It's centered around him. Um, this is kind of his episode in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know what? I, I, I'm going to go John. I'm going to go John in this episode. I think he learns a lot in this episode that impacts him for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's uh, it's an important episode for him. It's just an important episode for him. So uh, I think that's I think that's where I'm going. I'm comfortable with that. Okay. And Tavares, what, uh, where, where are we sitting for you, I think? I've landed at Vengeance Stark for best character. Um, Justin, so it, it, is this the first or the last time we see Vengeance Stark? Until he comes Until... back as, like, zombie mixed with human yeah. mode, right? Until- yeah, he's like half White Walker later And, like, on. that's never explained kind of ever, right? It's just kind of like, oh, that happened. That happened. And he, so- he, he put dragon glass in his heart before the transformation. Oh, for real? Yeah, before the transformation took, oh, he uh-huh. stabbed himself with dragon glass. Yeah, well, and that's also just got to be, he's just, he's a Stark. Like, you know, like, you, it's easy to forget that there's another Stark in, that we wait, how did that, so, how did, wait. How does that stop? Well, he's so, the dragon. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it, it just, I know how it happened, though. Bro's alive and bro's half White Walker, and that's all we need to know. Because <laughs> isn't that how the Night King was created in the first place? Was Dragonglass into the chat? He was straight human. Yeah, he, he was, was human, though. So I think, I think it's just like Dragonglass be affecting the, the turns of, of somehow. You know, fuck it. Like if you're fuck on, it. they don't care. They don't explain. You're right. Game of Thrones does not explain magic. It's just, it's just magic. Yeah, that's, fuck it. It's just it. Yeah. Um. So I want to put some respect on that. You know, like bro, bro's a bro's a real one. He uh, easily mm-hmm. forgotten, but forever remembered. Um. Performance. You gotta go. Costa Wallace as a. Yeah. Uh, I think. That's a fucking good choice. I was so tempted to go that route. 
J- Jamie, similar to Bran, is is at a point where he's you're gonna you're gonna want to see um, him in this light again, um, and it doesn't happen. <clears throat> and then, yeah, I agree with Arya's sword lesson and uh, Joseph's other pick here uh, for Benjamin Stark's line. You know, comes in, says some strong shit, moves out, just like anyone that, just like who. John, I think at this point wants to be, you know, like John wants to be this person and thinks he is this person, but he's he's not not there yet. I get you. Yeah, he's, he's learning the harsh reality of what it really means to be at the wall. And his his title or title in air quotes back at home doesn't really mean much now, and all of his training. Mm-hmm. He's got to start from the ground floor like everyone else. So. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Then, uh, all right, now that all the favorites are out of the way, how about a good old rating for this bad boy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Genre and critical rating here. We'll start with enjoyment as we are want to do. Um, I'm not quite as high on this one as I am the previous two, I don't think. I think, uh... I think it's like a seven. Yeah-ish. Like seven and a half, maybe. Yeah, like I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting pretty good at a seven. You know, like I, I, I enjoy the episode. There are better episodes. There are probably episodes I enjoy less than this. I, I think. Yeah. Like, but it's that's the thing with Game of Thrones. I'm never like, oh, I didn't like this episode. You know, it's, what all, I'm it's all still like somewhat interesting information. And mm-hmm. now, like on the rewatch, like it is like pertinent information. Uh, really cool callbacks and stuff like that happen. So like not useless this this isn't like a useless episode uh certainly not certainly at also not. but i'd say like you know it's it's still nothing really happens it's just all just all talk and it can only be so entertaining you yeah know? it has its place um, even you know, when it's done right it does have its place to be sure but it's uh they're they're better they're better episodes of game of thrones and i, I enjoy episodes of game of thrones more i do like this for introducing all the characters we did meet that was uh that was a very that was a very plus side of this episode but uh, as I was going through those storylines, you know, there wasn't anything too incredibly compelling. It was a lot of great setup, you know, a lot of great setup. But, uh, you know, we're not following through on anything. And obviously these episodes are important for that reason because this show is. And it's all long-term setup. Like, mm-hmm. setup doesn't pay off for seasons. <laughs> yeah, or, or like, I mean, the the only thing that comes close to paying off this season is Littlefinger being like, I will be your ally in this. You know, like, that yeah. comes around and bites them in the they, ass. Back and forth a couple times, yeah. Because you you left to be like, it's hey, little finger. Like, does he care? Nah, 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 nah. That motherfucker don't care. He don't. give a fuck. But, <laughs> I will say, genre wise, this might this is a pretty strong one. You know, obviously we're not getting uh, dragons or nothing like that. But I do love that we get to the wall for the first time. We get some more discussion about the possibility of White Walkers and. Uh, you know, Grumpkins and Snarks and stuff. We got the the old Nan monologue. Spiders, <laughs> big as hounds. Mm. Um, pretty, she pretty... goes. She goes hard. She goes deep into the White Walker lore there with that story. Mm. Like kind of three eyed raven, a little deep. Yeah, you, know, you know, maybe like it, maybe it like describes the long night. Like maybe the three eyed raven kind of took over there a little bit, giving Bran a little preemptive. Hey. Hey, this is start, what you got to be looking for, huh? Start thinking about this stuff, man. I'm prepping you, you know? Or, fuck it, dude. I Honestly, I think it's all a loop. It's all a loop, dude. And Bran... Bran 
is fucking everything. And this is just the start of it again. The end of the killing of the Night King is just the start of it again. Like, they, the wall is going to be repaired, and then fucking a new Night King is going to be born somehow. It's probably going to be John. Like, he's the new Night King, and that's how, like, the whole prophecy starts. So, like, um, and that's how the dream starts. It, it, it is Targaryen, and that's why, I don't know, fucking somehow Targaryen magic exists. And it's all a fucking loop. Bran and fuck. Start, I don't know, you know? No, it's a, it's a hot take, but. <laughs> and we won't know. I don't know. I, I swear to God, it's George R. R. Martin's waiting until the day he dies to release that last book, man. He's oh yeah, yep. he's not he's not giving it to us anytime soon. I don't think. But genre wise, for this episode three of season one, mm-hmm. um, I would say um, I don't know. I think it did better than a seven genre wise. Um, I think not. So not I was too much more. Maybe I don't. Maybe not eight. Maybe not like last episode. I feel like Game of Thrones as a genre, though, like it's. Uh, or in terms of a genre, because it's it's so good at its genre because it doesn't like over-explain it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like Lord of the Rings. Well, I yeah. guess I don't know if I'd say that because I haven't re- really seen or watched or seen or read Lord of the Rings. But no, nah, but yeah, you know, Lord of the Rings does concern itself a little bit more with the lore and kind of yeah. explaining it out and uh, and uh, making sure you're familiar with everything. This kind of lets it unfold as it happens. Um, and that does come at a cost to understanding it every once in a while, but uh, understanding Lord of the Rings, it is hard to understand because that's. No, com- I mean, I mean, Game of Thrones. It, it comes oh. at a cost of understanding the lore of Game of Thrones. There, I mean, there are still some things that I'm figuring out now of oh, Game yeah. of Thrones. <laughs> like that's that's just the cold hard truth. Like I, there, I every day I on like every episode I find out like oh shit no way or like I remember like. Something that I just completely forgot about. It's mm-hmm. one of the two. Like, I'll either yeah. something will click or... Um, so, I don't know. I think maybe this is like a 7... Like, 5. Um, or 7-2-5 in the genre. Yeah, maybe. I was thinking I was thinking 7-5. Oh, I was... I, I, frankly, this is what Game of Thrones is a lot in this in this first season, you know? As, as far as fantasy is concerned, it might not be getting di- deep into that. But as far as a political drama is concerned, it's setting up a whole lot for us here. Uh, Varys and Littlefinger coming into play is a huge factor that we meet the small council. Um, we got uh, the whole Cersei talking to Joffrey scene. Mm-hmm. With the whole, you know, if you want to fuck painted whores, you fuck painted whores. I, I think I'm I'm leaning closer to an eight, if I'm being honest. You think it was on the same level as last episode? I don't think there's anything I can honestly say. Yeah, they don't seem lower. To... Okay, I mean, yeah, I guess. It was all just conversation before. Well, I guess last episode you also had uh, like the actual Arya and Joffrey getting into it and having that whole conflict sort of yeah. thing. Um, so it gave a little more like of internal conflict and and uh, I, them going off on the King's Road. But I don't. I, I still don't think uh, that warrants it being worse. Um, you know, this episode being worse necessarily. Right. So I think I can go right. eight as well. For the genre, then how are you feeling, Tav? I, I think I, 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 I can do it. All right, bet, bet. And then critically, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think this episode is again visually anything that's like, wow, we're really, really honing in the style of Game of Thrones. I do think this first season is a little, and there are moments where it flashes a great deal of style uh, later on in the season, specifically. But it's a little, it's a little plain for the first few episodes, I think. And uh, 
there's one shot I remember specifically when Ned enters the throne room and you see him through like the giant pillars that are like vined mm. up and stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, like this is, it's showing the grandiose, grandiose kind of aesthetic of King's Landing and the, the throne room and stuff. But uh, beyond that, I didn't get a lot out of this visually. I think the stuff on top of the wall looked really good. Um, mm. That was pretty, that was some pretty scenes. Uh, the score wasn't as present as I typically like it to be, I don't think. Um, the performances were solid. The writing was good. But uh, it's... That's like a constant, pretty much, though. Yeah. With yeah. Game well, of Thrones. I mean, performance-wise, I'd say. I don't oh, know. Performance-wise, yeah. I don't think we, I don't think we really lose, lose much on the performance side of things. Uh, we do get the first Hodor this week, by the way. Um, so that must be, must be considered. Wait, really? Hodor was in this episode? I believe so. I believe. Wait, did I miss him? Hodor. Oh shit! Wait, maybe when? I'm tripping. Maybe I'm when tripping. Did he, when? What part of the episode did he pop up in? Well, I just know that when I looked at the quotes, Hodor has a quote, and it's Hod- it's Hodor. No way. Hodor. Wait, would it would it have been with Rob and Bran back at home? That's with... what I that's what I thought it would have been, but uh, so maybe, maybe it would I'm have had to have been at Winterfell, right? Because no way he went to King's Landing. Yeah, no, he's he's in Winterfell to be sure. Okay, let's see. But maybe yeah, maybe yeah, maybe he's not in that scene, and maybe IMDb was just fucking with me. I think it was. I don't think Hodor's in that scene. Because yeah, it's just Nan here, and then Rob walks in. Uh, tells her to get out. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'm tripping. I was just uh, I was trusting IMDb with their quotes there. It said hmm, yeah. uh, credited Hodor for a Hodor. So, yeah. first oh. Hodor has not came yet. I don't think. Dang it! I was really hoping he kind of was, but oh well. I guess maybe it's next episode. Maybe it's a little teaser. Um, yes. or who knows? Maybe in the background there was a Hodor line. Which is <laughs> uh, it, maybe that's a little. He's like like big footage. He's got like his arms swung back and he's like walking past. I don't know. Um but critically I think it's a it's a pretty solid episode. It's nothing it's nothing crazy. I don't think it's anything uh groundbreaking. Uh I'd be fine putting it around an eight. I I think so too. I think I would be too. Mm -hmm. The performances are really good. Yeah. Writing is solid, but Yeah. I think that makes sense because uh, that all said and done averages it out to around a 60 or a 76 or a 77%, mm. uh, which, which I think is pretty, I mean, we're a lot harsher than IMDb is actually, uh, this episode is given an 8.5, um, but right. I guess we, we gave it an eight critically, but, um, an 8.5 on IMDb, um, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Here, I'm going to check if, uh. If the old tomato meter might have, you know, season by season, they do. Here, let me get to the season one. I was convoluted to get there on Rotten Tomatoes. Get there on episode uh, three. Mm. That exported me to a weird place. I don't like that. Yeah, no, it's always so weird. 81%. 81%. So it was a little, uh. A little kinder than we were as well, but we're leaving we're leaving a lot of room to grow, I think. Um oh. you know, I try not to be overwhelmingly nice to these early episodes, yeah. even though they are really, really good. I just know there are a lot of episodes that are yeah. tens and enjoying it and are close to a ten critically, yeah. and this just isn't that. 
this is as a rewatch too. So that is kind of important. Um, that like, it's not just off first viewing. Off first viewing, like these, these episodes are viewed in totally different lights. Like we wouldn't be talking about John um, Mm. and the Daenerys transitions or, you know, like anything like that at all. So, um, I think it, it, the rating is going to be a little bit different, uh, per episode. Like it's going to be the, the red weddings or the, the bat, the black water, you know, yeah, just yeah, black water yeah. that episode. Uh, like it's, it's going to be those episodes that, that are going to be the, the, the big hitters. Uh, the humdingers. So, Battle of the Bastards. Fuck. That's so far away. Season six. Fuck. But like, we'll get there. We will. We will indeed. And, uh, shit out of 77 that that concludes this episode of winter is blooming and uh with that if you would head to patreon.com slash corobloom c-o-r-o-b-l-o-o-m where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content including weekly comic book pull list and book reviews if you're a uh, comic book movie fan we just released our wakanda forever review alongside it 20 minutes of it is spoiler free so if you're unfamiliar with it you can go ahead and check it out there but uh if you have seen it stick around for the whole two hours stick around for the whole shebang you'll really dig it um uh, if you would head to twitter follow at penny bloom pod follow on instagram at penny bloom podcast um i was colton robertson i was joined by joseph george thank you very much homie well thank you for having me it's always a pleasure to be here oh and it is always a pleasure to have you and i was also joined by the magnificent tavaris pennington thank you very much no problem. Another fun one in the books. Another fun one in the books, indeed. Um, if you were fucking with us today, remember, if you're a Star Wars fan, we're covering Andor for the next couple weeks. Very much so looking forward to the last two episodes of that. Every Wednesday, we try to get that episode out for you. And then on Friday, we're continuing our 52-year journey through film. This Friday is 2016's La La Land very excited for you all to hear that next friday we got get out just a great stretch of movies we got for the last for the closing out of the year and i cannot wait for you all to hear it but uh yeah with that remember peace love and bloom and spiders big as hounds